0: and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast and this week we're going to focus in on the challenging topic of managing redundancy, in fact how we can manage redundancy sensitively and positively and I'm delighted I've got Jill Abro here from Heartfelt HR who's an expert in this area. She's got an HR career of nearly 30 years and she's worked with all sorts of businesses in that from large global businesses to small charities with a handful of employees. She's a chartered member of the CIPD, postgraduate certificate in employment law, and really specialises and often advises on redundancy issues. So her company's is Heartfelt HR, which gives a lovely indication of the approach um, that you'd like to take, Jill. Would you like to explain how you started to specialise? Obviously, you've got a long career. How long you've been specialising in redundancy and, and managing that area? Well, it's
1: it sort of I fell into it, really. I've. I've... Uh, my HR career, is, as you say, has been for a long, long time and um, I've always been a generalist and I redundancy ha- happened right from the very early days of my HR career. I was dealing with redundancies and supporting them and I've learned such a lot along the way doing that. And it's just uh, in my last um, corporate role, I ended up... Um, mentoring other people who were in the HR team and were doing redundancies and they, they clearly didn't really know how to approach it all. So I just gave them the benefit of my experience. And I realized that I've got a lot of experience and lots of you know lessons on how not to do it as well as um, things that work for people. So that's really how I fell into it. And, um, and more and more, I was asking to support businesses with redundancies. Um, so that is that. really my specialism now. So you've obviously put that into your book
0: as well, haven't you? So you've written a book, Redundancy with Love, where people can refer to and I guess sharing that knowledge more widely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the book came really because there's a lot of stuff out there on, on ACAS and, and other places about um, what to do um, in, in the redundancy process. But there was very little on how to do it. And that, for me, that's critical. Um, because it can make the difference between it being a total disaster for everybody and actually being positive for those taking part. And I've worked with so many managers and HR people who really don't know what they're doing with it. And it's frightening if you don't know. Um, And so I wanted to help people to understand really how to approach it all. And that's what the book is about.
0: Yeah I think that's such a valid point the whole thing it's not so much what you do it's how you do it because it could be the worst thing in the world for someone but it actually could be the best thing in the world but a lot of the difference between those two options are going to be how it's handled um, I guess when you're working with people.
1: Absolutely and you know we're all different so we all react differently to everything and, and managing all of that is really quite a fine art.
0: Yeah and, and before we go into some of the practicalities of how you do it I'm interested in I mean it's one of those things also because some the way someone, people do react differently and some of how they're going to react would depend on their circumstances. Let's say, you know, you've, you've just, you know, your partner's been made redundant or you've just got to, had a life change where you've got to take on a huge mortgage or a small child or something. There must be lots of other things which obviously can't, the organisation can't take those into account when deciding who to make redundancy or whether to do them, but they are going to impact on how people
1: respond they are and we've all got things going on in our lives that that our workplace doesn't know anything about necessarily and and shouldn't know anything about um but you know even if you're absolutely fine financially and haven't got any of those issues being told that the job that you've done for a while you're no longer going to be doing it it's a real life changer it's a real shock for even if even if people have volunteered to be honest it's a shock it's changed.
0: Yes, yeah, huge change. they are going to go through lots of strange feelings, aren't they? Um, do you do you think, do you see that there's um, more going on at the moment? Is there, in terms of, you've obviously been working in this area for a number of years, would you say that uh, people are responding differently to redundancies, or there are more redundancies, or is it similar to how it's always been over the last sort of yeah. 10
1: years? It's similar to how it's always been. I mean, there are always ups and downs in redundancies. Um, You know, there are ebbs and flows in how businesses manage. And and it's a part of working life now. It's quite rare to meet somebody who's gone through their whole career and not been made redundant at some point during it. Um, So it, it is a fact of life, but that doesn't make it any easier for the people who are either going through it or having to put other people through it.
0: Absolutely. So, so let's go into some of the, the practicalities then in terms of this. Now, obviously, there are natural responses which vary from person to person. What sort of reactions do you expect, or would you, when you've been training people on this or supporting others? What what do you sort of coach them to expect in terms of reactions and how to manage them?
1: Well, the first thing is expect the unexpected because you just never know what you're going to get. I've had people who burst into tears i've had people who've cheered i've had people who've rushed across the room and thrown their arms around me um you know there are you can just there will be any sort of reaction um for some it's a bit like being bereaved and and they need time to grieve um for some even if it's voluntary as i said earlier it's it's frightening and and I mean I was made voluntarily redundant at one point and even though I'd said yes put my hand up said yes I, I will take redundancy I still felt rejected I still felt as if they should be saying to me no no you can't possibly go we need you too much mm. Um, and that feeling was still there even though I'd volunteered and so uh, you can't assume that just because people are ostensibly happy to be leaving it means that actually they're comfortable with the situation or feel confident about what they're going to be doing next so you're saying if
0: someone, are... if someone does run across the room and it's really quite appears to be quite pleased with it um do you go oh great that's fine i don't have to worry about them or do you feel that sometimes those emotions are transient and you've got to be aware of they might, they might change
1: yeah, absolutely. They're tra- I mean, you know, occasionally somebody knows they're going to get a really good package. They've got other plans in place and they're quite they really are genuinely quite happy. In my experience, that's fairly rare, rare but yeah. it does happen. Um, but just, uh, you know, you can't predict how people will be or you and you can't un- always necessarily get into their heads and know how they're feeling. And the most common reaction of all is denial is people just don't accept that it's happening to them. And and the the key lesson really is to repeat and repeat and make sure that they understand what's happening and that they are actually going to be out of work at the end of this, because it's a, it's a real shocker. And one of the very early things I learned in my career was I went through a redundancy process with a young lad and come the date when his work finished, he turned up for work the next day. And it was a really really shocking and horrible for everybody concerned because he just had not understood and that was because he'd not wanted to understand so he hadn't listened and he hadn't taken it in um, so, and that was okay. a really good lesson for me but it was a really tough one as well so if
0: you were practically making sure i, mean, I guess the stuff that you have to do in terms of communicating um, is there something you you would do talk specifics as to what you would do to make sure someone has understood and to help them through the denial stage well
1: uh, my, my you know the, more than one redundancy meeting is usually needed a uh, consultation is as long as consultation takes there are no rules about how long it, um, there are if there's a large number of people being made redundant there are guidelines around what that how long consultation should take but for an individual redundancy there's no rule about how many meetings you have to have with someone it should be just a reasonable amount to make sure that they they understand and have had a chance to answer all their questions and and uh, but for me more than one meeting or or at least keeping the door open in between meetings to to make sure that they can answer any questions and make sure you do answer any questions and use more than one method to tell to give the message you know obviously a face to face meeting or these days over zoom or teams or whatever um is perfectly acceptable but follow it up in writing and make sure that there's something written down that they can refer to later
0: with the specifics because if they're in shock they're not necessarily going to have taken it all in are they
1: no and they'll have questions you know and they won't think of those questions at the initial meeting and so you need to be there to answer all those questions for them because that will make them feel more comfortable with it and accepting of it
0: can i just go back to um a what fact because i'm rusty on this so i i think in my head i thought you had to have 30 days or there was a um a sort of recommended or is that best practice is that about it's
1: a the, number the, yeah it's a 30 days is if if it's over a certain number of people being made redundant the the, the collective consultation with the trade unions or the working the the employee representatives has to be 30 days. But if you're just making one person in the business redundant, you can do it the next day. I wouldn't recommend that, but it's perfectly within the law to do it the next day. what would you recommend
0: then if you are um, working in a smaller business? What's the right amount of time and the right amount? You know, a rule of thumb for it
1: will vary. It can. It's as long as that person needs to come to terms with it, to make sure all their questions have been answered, and and you can set up meetings and think, well, I'll, I'll only need this one meeting or maybe two. But then when you have to be guided by the conversation during those meetings and what they say and the things they raise. Um, and my experience is that people always raise things that you're not expecting. So you need to go away and find out the answers for them. Um, and it, and it's a, it's really about managing that whole process of, of the conversation with them.
0: And actually, I mean, on that then, because I think with small companies and with the odd person, then someone and I appreciate it could be a denial response or it could be a legitimate response. You know, if someone went in sort of anger or something that this is unfair and being picked on, it's not, you, know, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, what, what would you do in that situation? I imagine you've seen the whole gambit of responses.
1: Yeah, there are a business should have very clear reasons why the redundancies happened, and they should be well documented so that people know about that before they even get as far as having the consultation meeting. And it should be very clear as to why the business has made that decision to let certain jobs go. Um, And yes, of course, people always, you know, the first thought is it's not fair. Why me? But the business should be able to answer that. Why me? And it shouldn't be a personal reason. It should be just about, you know, the, the, the selection process is such that, unfortunately, there are people who are better fitted to to keep and it shouldn't be about you know you're the worst one or you're the least high performing person it should be about there are others who slightly fit our needs better for the future or something a bit softer um rather than rather than making somebody f- they're already going to feel rejected and um unloved and a key thing a, about for a manager to do is to make them feel valued to try and make people feel that it's not personal, it's unfortunate, it's a business decision, but it's not personal and they are valued and the work they have done has been valued and is important. And, you know, if possible, the, the company will give them a good reference, etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera. Is that, um, a
0: positive message. Because I mean, it's the role that's been made redundant, isn't it? So it's trying to detach that person from, from the, this, you know, you yeah. as an individual, this is the, is the issue, this business decision regarding the viability of this role. Um, as opposed to you as a person, it's quite key to to separate.
1: Yeah, and the whole selection process, if it's done properly, should be very clear and it should be very transparent. I mean, an individual shouldn't know what another person has scored, but they should be able to clearly see that, you know, there is a process and that that, that it's been scored fairly because of these reasons. And it will be about, you know, how it will be about how well they're doing their job. And it may not be that they're doing badly and the company wouldn't want to lose them in normal circumstances. But if you've got to reduce your headcount, then you're clearly going to keep the people who are very best at the job Um, and the people who are, are perhaps not quite so good, but are still doing well they're the ones who have to be let go. And that's really hard. So in, Because, in it, the... you know, we always, it's human nature that we feel as though we've done something wrong and we've brought it on ourselves. And it's rarely true.
0: So if it's, um, I mean, do you think it should be delivered, the messaging should be delivered by managers or by HR or a combination?
1: A combination, ideally, but it, it's the manager to a large extent because the manager knows the individual better. They have got a good hopefully good working relationship with the individual and then they will know something about the background they'll know something about their probably about their personal lives and what might be going on and they can just be a bit more empathetic in in that way so yeah it it's um it the manager is best placed normally but certainly most managers feel uncomfortable and like to have HR support
0: and and i think that um I guess that whole thing about the empathy, they, often the managers must quite, find it quite hard to, if you if, you've, if the, the manager, I understand, it, has got the relationship and hopefully will be able to deliver the message with the greatest empathy, um, would you then as HR need to support the managers? How do you support those delivering the message or what do they need?
1: They need a whole load of stuff. They need, often in a big corporate situation, um, a manager may be facing redundancy themselves even so they may be giving somebody else a message but having it given to them as well which is really really hard to deal with um the manager needs to have somewhere they can offload because it's really difficult to have these conversations and so a group of of managers who are all doing it have a have a peer group where you can just go and talk about some of the reactions you've had or or just just because it's a big mental burden to to carry um especially if you you know if you're making someone redundant that you've built up a working relationship with over a long period of time and you value them and like them it's really really hard to have to give them that message so the managers need a lot of support um training you know giving them that there, there are all sorts of things they can you can have a a checklist. Um I've seen companies give them a script, which I'm not sure is the right thing because then they just read it and it can be a bit impersonal, but certainly a checklist of all the points they need to cover to make sure that they've got it all right. Um, they're not expected to know all the answers to all the questions that the people will raise and, and the managers should know that they don't have to answer all the questions there and then just make a note of what the questions are and go away and find them out and go back to people. Um,
0: I suppose from an organisation point of view, If there's a large number of them. It's about a consistent set of messages, isn't it? Um, So that's why having a script or bullets there because you want people to... You you want to avoid the example that you mentioned earlier about somebody not hearing it. So you want the message to go over clearly, but with empathy. Absolutely. Those people who aren't... Because that's also... I remember when I've seen this happen in my corporate career. um, One of the key... Focus areas because often lots of the energy goes on those being made redundant, but the business still has to function. They're making a decision for a a business reason, and this is going to have an impact on those who are staying.
1: What What's your recommendation there? Yeah, the survivors. There's a whole chapter in my book about the survivors. It's really important that you look after them because they are the people who are going to help your business to move forward and thrive. But they are going to be feeling. Very. uh, First of all, they'll be feeling relieved that it's not them that's going, but that will be very short-lived. And then they'll start to think, well, um, you know, is this the only tranche of redundancies? Are there going to be more? Am I going to be next? Um, they'll be worried about the extra workload that may be coming their way because half their colleagues are leaving. They may be grieving people that they worked with for a long time and are great friends with you know that relationship is going to be severed in a, in a way and so that there's a, there's a bereavement feeling again um Just they, it's here. a time when they're likely to start to look for another job so it's a really and and you know the word will be out there that this company is making redundancies so competitors will be looking at taking some of those people on and they'll be saying to them do you know anybody else who might come and work for us and so you know there's an easy access for people who are left as the survivors to to find other jobs quite easily so it's you really need to look after them at this point
0: yes i can see that because it's um it would be quite easy if people are wobbly and then they don't and also if they don't think you've treated those who are exiting well that could affect their whole sort of perception of the organization and their engagement um but equally that whole sort of keeping them focused and feeling valued and driving forwards and alleviating their concerns about the fact they've now got to do the work of the the people who have left, that must be really, really key too. So you're having to really juggle both, um, managing both sets of emotions. And with the survivors, would you say, would you do that in a sort of a formal way? Like you would consult with the, um, those who are actually being made redundant. Would you sit down with people, the survivors formally, or how would you actually
1: physically manage? I think it's good to give a, a corporate message across the board to people that this is happening this is why it's happening some of your colleagues will be or are being affected and this is really unfortunate and the, but the business has is, is got plans going forward that do involve um you know those who are going to be left behind um and we've got you know every confidence that you will help us to grow or something Something along those lines, but just to, yes, tell them what's happening because otherwise people just gossip and the wrong messages get get sent out there. Um, but you you shouldn't be talking about obviously individual cases or about anything anything that that could could give people the wrong impression. So it's it's a difficult balancing act to get the messaging right. Um, it's also a really good time to start looking at employee engagement and how people are feeling about the employer because you're absolutely right, they will be um, looking very closely at how it's handled and whether it's been done kindly and um, compassionately and with dignity, um, because they know that sometime in the future that might be them. And, and it's a very good test of a company um, as to how they, you know, how they treat their people.
0: And there is a message as well about why something's being done because people can, let's, let's say, you know, um, a market has changed or a, complex, a, a particular product is no longer re- um, relevant or viable. That's a legitimate business rationale for redundancy. If those people who are staying understand that, they can see that actually they're part of an organization that is aiming to. know to be profitable to to be productive and it's making strong strategic decisions so they kind of need to understand the the why and buy into it you'd think as well wouldn't you in terms of that
1: absolutely absolutely that's critical and um and it will make the difference between people staying and and working with the company in the future or thinking no i've i've had enough of this i i i'm too scared i don't don't like this company i don't want to stay
0: no, absolutely. So, so I guess so. We've covered really, uh, you know, the fact that if you're managing consultancy with uh, if you're run, running consultancy or talking to someone about redundancy, whether it's a group or or lots of them, um, the main thing you said is expect the unexpected. People react in the wildest ways, whatever you expect. So, so being aware of that, it's good practice for it to be done by the managers because they've got the empathy um, and the relationship with the HR potentially to get support from there. But maybe give them. Um, bullet points or something to make sure the message is consistent although you could um, do it in in a smaller business in you know almost one meeting that's not good practice you need to give people enough time to come to terms with it and to absorb the messaging and there is this whole thing about communicating very clearly so that they don't get the wrong so it's a balance between being having lots of empathy but being clear as well as that this is real and it is happening And at the same time, also communicating to the survivors, the why and being shown to manage people fairly and with dignity. um, So you've still got good people to take forwards within the business.
1: Yeah, the empathy is is a difficult one as well, because what you must steer clear of is is trying to be too sympathetic and saying, isn't it awful? You know, this is terrible that, that you're going through this. You need to be more positive for a start off to make the person feel more positive. But also it's that person that you're giving the message to doesn't really care what you feel or what you think about it. They just want to know what is happening to them, what financial recompense they're going to get for it and what help you as a company can give them to move forward. They don't care about how upset or bothered their manager is I've seen managers who go into a long rigmarole about how they were made redundant in the past and how it affected them and the person just doesn't care about that um they make that you, I basically. absolutely understand the manager's trying to be nice and and supportive but actually you need to be very clear and you know the best the kindest thing you can do is to be clear and concise and and sort of straightforward and and sort of just saying it how it is not trying to not trying to fluff it all up and and give a lot of unnecessary background and stuff to it it really is keeping it concise
0: concise and sort of succinct because it allows people then to get go away and get away from the shock rather than have to sort of share their emotion they might want to go and think about things separately but I can totally see how there's, there's a temptation to over explain or over empathize but it's making it about us so the message it's about that person and I suppose I mean I'm thinking if this was me um I think I might say look I'm going to be really succinct please don't please don't think that I'm I'm being um I like it you know I don't have yeah huge empathy for the situation but I don't want to I don't want to confuse things I'm just going to keep this quite clear and and, um, succinct because it's a difficult conversation for both of us something like that I think a bit like a performance management conversation is probably you you can say that that you're having to be concise you can explain that it's not that you you know you don't feel for them you just want it to be really clear yeah
1: Yeah. especially if it's somebody that you, you you know have often have quite long conversations with then yeah. you're behaving slightly differently to the norm but by yeah definitely explain
0: um, yes, the really reasons no for messages.
1: it and they, they will appreciate that
0: yeah i think so so any final messages jill in terms of top tips for our listeners that we've not covered
1: um my my top tip really is to think about how put, put yourself in their shoes in as much as if if you're spouse or your child or or a family member came home or even you yourself were told you were going to be made redundant how would you want to be treated how would you want them to be treated how you know what would make you think the company had done the right thing by them and if you can then do that um then you won't go too far wrong um, and it really—it's as with anything to do with HR. Really, it's about listening and hearing what people say and answering questions. And if you can do all of that, you won't go too far wrong.
0: The great mantra for life, isn't it? Hearing hearing and listening to people and responding it appropriately. It is the mantra for life, particularly um, in the roles, uh, an HR role. Uh, Jill, thank you so much for um, coming on the HR Uprising podcast. If anyone wants to get hold of you, um, I'm going to put your details in, um, obviously, the show notes, as I usually do. But are there any, anywhere in particular that you'd like them to get hold of you? Is it LinkedIn or other routes? Uh,
1: yes, I'm on LinkedIn um, or my website, which is heartfelthr.com um and you know and you can buy the book there as well um and all about health health, hr
0: so that's wonderful thank you so much for your time today
1: thank you cinder great talking to you i
0: really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable if you did perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice It really helps new listeners to find us. Now, you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There, you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast.